So, uh, how many of you guys were here last week? Show of hands, if you were here last week. All right. Casey preached. Uh, basically, we've been going through... Um, exactly. We've been going through kind of like our core values of Forerunner Church. Uh, we, of course, we haven't hit them all in three weeks in a row just because we had different things that were going on at Forerunner. But uh, we're kind of returning to that. And so, we, uh, the first one I, I preached, just like a couple weeks ago, I preached on... Um, you, can we put the, those, those points up there on the board, on the... TV, you know, the, the points I was talking about? The, got them? All right, cool. Anyway, so the first one we preached on this several weeks ago, on hunger for God and hunger for soul, talking about this being a core value of Forerunner Church. If they're a part of our community, this is what we're going to be about. We're going to have, and what I mean by that is, is that we're going to be a people that genuinely want the presence of God to come and not just, uh, not just going to satisfy with just being, just doing church or, um, and having a, a real aggressive kind of approach, even in worship. Um, and are connecting with God for signs and wonders and miracles, um, and then hunger for souls, which is the issue of, uh, of growth by conversion versus just swapping sheep and getting stealing, stealing other churches' people. Uh, we want to see. We want actually want to see the, the kingdom expand, and so through evangelism, through sharing the gospel, getting bold, and so we shared uh, about that a couple weeks ago. And that'll be something that we will talk about often. That's why we're doing a missions uh, week next week, um, and uh, so I, you know. It's because we want to challenge us to actually do the very commandment Jesus gave us to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Like, that wasn't called the great suggestion. That's the great commandment. Like, it's one of those things we'll probably stand for him. He's like, did you do the last thing I told you to do? We're going to be like, yeah, about that. See, there's this thing called Facebook and Twitter, and it took all my time. He's going to be like, you know, like, it's not going to fly real well. It's going to be something he's going to talk to us about. I want to, I want to, I don't know about you guys. I, you know, Paul said in, in, uh, in, uh, in Thessalonians, he says, what is my crown? What is my hope of rejoicing? Is it not even you, brethren, with me at the coming of the Lord? And one of the greatest joys that Paul would have is the people he led to the Lord that would be standing with him at the coming of Jesus. So that was one of them. And then the next one, all right, this is the one we're going to go over tonight, okay? So we got it a little bit out of order. Last week, um, go, go to the third one real quick and then come back. That, so that's the one that, that uh, Casey did last week about authentic with God and authentic with others. So it's hunger for God, hunger for souls, authentic with God, authentic with others. And tonight, we're going to talk about, let's go back to being deep in the word and deep in prayer. So this is something I've got a lot of, I've got a lot of uh, uh, just vision for and passion for in my own heart. I don't, I want to be a part of a, a young adult group that is, uh, that's actually really deep in God, deep in prayer, like they actually pray, you know what I'm saying? And we're actually deep in the word. Like we actually understand the word. We can defend it. We're not just like, well, my pastor said so. You know what I'm saying? Like, but you actually know where the stuff is in the Bible. I, I can't stand like when I like turn on the TV and hear somebody trying to quote the Bible and you're like, that dude's never read the Bible ever. And he's like, well, the Bible says cleanliness is next to godliness. I'm like, it doesn't say that anywhere in the Bible. You know, all these little sayings, little catchphrases. Actually, most people's gospel, you know what it is? It's, it's, it's Christian music songs they heard. You know, and they'll quote it like that's from the Bible. Like the, the chorus, you know what I mean? And, uh, and it's, it's interesting because, you know, if, if, if you were to ask most people in the church, say, hey, what does it take to be strong, a strong Christian? And there's a couple of things that people would say, obviously witnessing is one of them, but most of us, if we say, what, what, are, some things, what are some practical things you've got to do? You would say what? You would say, you need to have a, what, a prayer life. You need to go, you know, really connect with God, right? And then you would say, you need to go deep in the Bible, that's like basic, right? But if I actually talk to most believers and you actually look at them and say, well, okay, great. What's, what's your prayer life like? How much time do you spend reading the Bible? You know, I, what's, what we do? I did that one time right before I went to bed and, uh, huh. you know, like, like most of us, and I, I'm not saying that beat, beat, beat you up. I would, that was me. I, I actually lived my, my entire, God, I mean, I, and I loved God, but my entire first decade in Christianity, like I, I had pages in the Bible that were still stuck together. It was like, like the Song of Solomon? No way. I never was like, what the heck is that? You know, like there was, there was an entire um, swath of, of the Bible that were completely irrelevant. Like, and, 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 and part of this, and this is why we're going to do this in January, we're going to start a, a subject on the, the studying of the subject of the end times because so much of the, the prophets' writings, I had no idea what they were talking about. I mean, how many times have you ever been to a sermon and somebody preached out the book of Isaiah that wasn't chapter 53? Like, when was the last time you ever heard somebody talk about Zechariah? You're like, I don't even know where that's at. Is that near the book of maps? Where is that? 
You know, and there's so much of the Bible that just, it didn't make any sense. I just open up, start reading it and be like, you know, you ever been like, I'm going to go deep in Ezekiel. You know, you start reading about the wheels within the wheels. You're like, I'm going deep in Proverbs, you know? And uh, that's just, that's how it is. And most, of, most, most believers, that, I mean, love God. I'm not talking about don't love God, like trying to do the right thing. We are, we are really shallow in our prayer life and actual, actually praying consistently. I mean, yeah, we all pray for a girlfriend and for a boyfriend and we got those things. But I'm talking about like an actual connected life where we're continually communing with God. It's, it's actually, it's something that's actually very difficult to do. The enemy will try to get you to do anything else but pray. How do I know? Come to the prayer room and try to pray for a little bit. And all of a sudden, you'll start thinking about everything you've got to do that day. You know, things you hadn't thought about in three years, all of a sudden, responsibility's hitting you. And you're like, i got to go take care of that. You know, and you will do anything you can. You'll, people, you'll see people come to the prayer room and they'll take like 25 bathroom breaks. You know, just wonder what's going on right here. Because your soul begins to actually begin to fight against the enemy tries to get you to do anything but actually talk to God. And the same thing with the word. Uh, people say that it's boring or they just get disconnected or they don't have a plan on how to get into it. And so I want us, I want us to begin to flex in these muscles, begin to work these muscles that maybe have atrophied or maybe we haven't been feeding it well so that we can actually be deep in the word. If we had a young adult group that is really deep in God that can actually defend their faith, and I'm not talking about just arguing people, I'm talking about actually understands the word of God and can read it actually has revelation hit in their heart and is deep in prayer when they pray demons move I mean if we can get that man that is so rare in the earth and I, I believe we can I'm gonna share a little bit of my story I, I was a uh, um, I want to talk about first about being deep in the word um, so I got saved born again into a charismatic circle loved the power of God loved revival loved all those things never read my Bible like ever I mean, like, ever, you know what I mean? I, I was just like, a lot of us, I had, I had a few catchphrases, you know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I had no idea what I was talking about in context. He's actually talking about, like, living in poverty. Like, he's, he goes, he goes, he goes I can, I've, I've learned to have much, I've learned to have very little. I've learned to ha- be in, in, you know, in, in, in having excess, and I've learned to be in want. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He's talking about, like, he can learn to be content even when he didn't have anything. He wasn't talking about, you know, winning the football game. And uh, I knew all those catchphrases, but that was kind of about the end of my word life. And, uh, and I wanted to love God more, and I wanted to read the Bible. I mean, you know, like most of us, I mean, you know, most of us that are, that are, that are Christians, man, we love the Bible in the sense that we'll defend it, right? We'll, we'll go toe-to-toe. Somebody says the Bible isn't true, you're like, you're a liar. You know, we'll get in their face. We'll like almost fight people over the Bible because we love the Bible. Then it's like, how much do we read it? Not much. And that was me. I never read the thing, hardly ever. I mean, just, just a little bit here and a little bit there. And uh, I remember I was going out to do uh, uh, my internship at the, the House of Prayer. Uh, I, did, I did my, my internship in Kansas City. And it's a long story how that happened, but I did an internship. And I, just as a plug for an internship, because he gave it, I want to say this, guys. If you've never done an internship, do an internship. I grew more in that three-month season than I, than I did in my previous 10 years in Christianity. It was like being in the Holy Spirit like matrix. You know, it was like, I know Kung Fu. You know, you just, all of a sudden you just knew like the Bible. Like it was just, it was, it was like being in a greenhouse where you could just grow at, a, at an accelerated rate um, just from being in the presence of God on a, on a day and night basis. It was powerful. So anyway, I'm going to go do my internship. I'm, uh, it's actually, it's the day that I'm actually driving uh, out to Kansas City. And I had a friend of mine um, who was going to go with me. He was going to drive out there with me and he, he was going to fly back. So we were going to take my car out there, split up the driving. And, uh, and I had been, I remember that earlier that day, I, I had just taken my Bible and I had opened up to Isaiah 55, verse 8. If we can put that on the screen. I opened up to this passage and, um, and, uh, I'm going I'm to read it. It says this, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways, uh, nor, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain comes down from the, heaven, from the heavens, and as the snow from the earth, everybody say snow, from the, from the heavens, he says, and does not return there, but waters the earth and makes it bring forth and bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall, shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing in which I sent it. And I remember I read that, and I said, I said okay, is the, is my thoughts aren't your thoughts, my ways aren't your ways. And he goes, and as the, as the rains come from the, from the heavens, and as the snow falls to the earth, so shall my word be, it shall not return unto me void. And I remember in my car, because my, my buddy was driving, I just said, I said, God, 
I pray this would be a season where the Bible would just come alive to me. The word of God would come alive and it would accomplish that which, that which you said it for. I actually said that under my breath to the Lord. That was earlier in the day. It was like around lunchtime. So we're driving all day. And I remember it was around 11 p.m. We had been switching off driving and now my buddy was driving. It's 11 p.m.-ish. And we had just crossed into Missouri. And it was, uh, trying to time, it was uh, April. It was the end of April. I remember this. And, and, uh, and as soon as we, we crossed the state line, um, I, had, I had dozed off. I, I was actually sleeping in the car. Or I was just kind of like, I was in that place where it's like, you know, when you're almost asleep, you know? And I'm in that place. And then all of a sudden, my buddy slams on the brakes. And you ever had somebody slam on the brakes when you're trying to sleep? It's like, you know, you're like, ah! You know, you, you, don't, you don't know if you're about to, I mean, you're about to hit a wall or what. You just, ah! like that. And he's hit, he hits the brakes. And, and I look up. And he starts to slow and pull off the road. And he, I, I, go, I go, what's going on? He goes, he goes, dude, get out. He goes, we got to get your, he goes, we got to get out. I go, why? He goes, he goes, it's, it's, uh, he goes, it's raining. I went, I mean, you know, I was kind of like foggy. I'm like, oh, what? Why, why we got to get out? And he goes, he goes, it's raining. And I go, yeah, but what? And he says, he goes, your clothes. And I went, oh, because all my clothes were sitting in the back of my truck. I was like, oh, I was like, you had to slam on the brakes, you know? Like, and so he's, he's kind of slowing down. And all of a sudden I look out the window and I go, hold on, Josh. I go, that, that, that's not rain. I go, it, it's, it's that snow? I said, it's snowing. And he looks and he goes, oh, it is snow. Hmm. And then all of a sudden, about 10 seconds later, it went from just like little flurries coming down to the bottom dropped out and start snowing like straight up blizzard style on us. Like, it was crazy. And we're sitting, he's just kind of driving the windshield wipers going. And, and we're just driving for another 15, 20, 30 seconds, something like that, through it. And we're just kind of staring and it's a little quiet. We're kind of looking at it. And I was like, I was like, man, let's, don't, let's just keep driving. I mean, the snow will blow off the clothes. So we drive a little bit further. And then all of a sudden, about 30 seconds later, it goes from like blizzard to right back into the clear. No snow. And we're just driving. The windshield wiper's still going. You know. And it was quiet for a minute, and I just went, that was kind of weird. And he goes, yeah, man, it was kind of weird. And he goes, I go, Josh, I go, I didn't think it was cold enough to snow. Because you know, we got up that morning, it was 65 degrees. So we roll the window down. I stick my hand out the window. And I go, oh my gosh, dude, feel this. So he rolls his window down. Outside, it feels like it's 55, 56, something degrees. It's not, it's not freezing by any means. So he starts to pull over and we're going, what the heck this is going on here? And so he looks up. He's like this. He's, turning, he's feeling outside. We're actually on the side of the road right now. He's just like, I don't know if people think we're praising the Lord, you know, as we go by. But he's got his hand out the window. It's like this. He's like, oh my gosh. And he looks up and he goes, Jamie, look at this. He goes, I go, he goes look up. So I get up and I look up. It's a cloudless, starry night. It's a full moon and it's completely like space. You know, like out in the, out in the country, you know what I mean? It's like you can just see every star. There wasn't a cloud, not even a little cloud in any direction. We sat there for a minute or two just going, do you see one? And he's like, no, dude. He go, and, and so I started, I'm going, I'm like, you know, I'm not that smart. But in order to have snow, there's two things you need. You got to have clouds and cold weather. We have neither right now. And he, he's like, dude, he goes, this is one of those like spooky spiritual things you always tell me about. I'm like, dude, I don't know what's going on. So it's 11, 1130 at night. And I actually, I called Billy, who's the director here at the House of Prayer. And I call him and I go, dude, I don't know what's going on. I go, we're driving down the road. He goes, all of a sudden he goes, it's 50, 55 degrees, something like that outside right now. And it starts snowing. We entered into like a blizzard. He goes for 30, 40 seconds, and then it goes right back into the clear. He goes, and there's no clouds in any direction in anywhere we look. And, uh, and on the phone, Billy goes, he goes, he goes, Jamie, this is a prophetic moment. God's trying to speak to you. Isaiah 55, as the snow falls to the, from the earth, so shall my word be. It shall not return to me void. This is going to be a season where God's going to impact you with the word of God. I'm like, and he, he had no idea that I had just read that, that earlier that day and prayed that prayer. I wasn't even thinking about it. And it just hit me. I went, oh my gosh. And I remember, um, I mean, the Lord sent a supernatural sign in the heavens and the, you know, the sky to make this point clear that he wanted to 
impact me with the word of God, that the Bible would become a, a joy and a love of my life. And, uh, and that season was, man, when I went to the internship, that's what I did. I spent, I read the whole Bible during that internship. First time I ever did that. And I just, every single night, man, got into the word. And that was like hours a night just spending in the, in, in, in the word. And God began to awaken something in my heart for the scriptures in a way that I never had before. And uh, I still live in, in it t- to this day. And I, and, um, and, and what is the point? The point isn't so we can just be smart. The point is this. I want to read, read another verse. It's in, um, in Luke 24, verse 25. Luke 24, 25. It says, then he said to them, this is Jesus speaking to, the, uh, to, the, uh, to those disciples at, on the road to Emmaus. He says, oh foolish ones, slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. He goes, ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to have entered into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, in the, in the Old Testament, he says he, that Jesus expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. That would have been a cool Bible study to have been a part of. Jesus sitting down and saying, I'm going to teach you about Jesus from the Bible. That's what he did. And he went straight through the Old Testament with them. It says, then they drew near to the village where they were going, and he, and he indicated that he would have gone further. But they, cons- they constrained him, saying, abide with us, for it is towards the evening, and the day is far spent. And he went uh, in to stay with them. And now it came to pass, as he sat at the table with them, that he took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they knew him. This is, remember, after the resurrection. And he vanished from their sight. That's a pretty sweet moment. Um, and they said to one another, did not our hearts, our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us? There's something about, man, getting in the scriptures and getting the word of God that's supposed to cause your heart to burn. And when you begin to read it, man, it actually causes your heart to come alive and to love Jesus more. And I, you know, I know this. I mean, I, I remember for years, this, the, you know how, how I used to read my Bible? This I do. I'd go, I'd go, Lord, speak to me. And wherever, it was always upside down. I'm like, okay. You know, and I just thought wherever my finger re- landed, that was what God would have to save me for that day. You know what I'm saying? Lord, does she like me? And it'd always be like, yeah, yes. I'm like, yes. <laughs> the next verse would be like, and you shall die. You know, and I didn't read that part. <laughs> I didn't get the full context. But, um, we treat the Bible like it's an eight ball, you know, like, you know, like, I mean, and it's, you know, yeah, I don't like that reading. Give me another one. You know what I mean? And, and then we do that. And then we also personalize everything. You ever done that before? You just read the Bible and every, every, wherever you landed, you just took it as a personal word from God to you. That'll get you in trouble real quick. Cause you'll be every time open up to the book of Lamentations, you know, and you will be, life will suck. You know what I'm saying? You'll every time you're like, you're like, when you see the abomination of desolation, you're like, I did that. Spoken of by the prophet Daniel, he foretold me. You know, and you're, I mean, you'll just, you'll want to personally everything and then beating yourself up because you don't understand what the Bible is actually written for. Why did God write the Bible? Why did he give us the scriptures? You know, it's, I'll say this, guys, the scriptures are not mostly given to us to help us figure out all of our domestic issues. Like, it's not going to be like, should I vacuum the floor? Let's see what Micah has to say about that. You know, should, should I go work this job or should I do, go to this school? It's probably not going to be in, buried somewhere in the scrolls of Isaiah. You know what I'm saying? What you should do. There is not, there's, there's not a, uh, the scriptures don't necessarily tell you specifically related to the domestic areas of your life, which is what you and I want. What is the Bible for? The Bible was given to us to teach us about the knowledge of God, what God is like. And the whole point is this, if you get under, if you understand his ways, his characters, the way he thinks, um, you know, the, the, what he values, then you're in a much better position to make domestic, uh, domestic choices in your life based upon what you understand that he values and loves. Does that make sense? So it's not going to tell you uh, what we want to know, who's, who am I supposed to marry? It's, that's not going to be buried in the prophets, okay? But it, what it will tell you is, I mean, very clearly, don't be yoked with an unbeliever. So as soon as I, I got some of you coming to go and, go and I got this, boy, this boyfriend, and he doesn't love Jesus, but I'm going to win him. I'm like, oh God. Like it's clearly missionary dating doesn't work. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's, it's against the scriptures to be, to, to be yoked. And we can, if we understand God's ways, then we'll better understand how we should then live in our domestic areas of life. Um, it's the knowledge of God. It's in Proverbs, it says that it talks about, uh, it says that God made his ways known to Moses, but his acts to the children of Israel. In other words, the children of Israel, they, they saw what God did, they understood what God does, but there was a deeper thing that God did with Moses that God showed him his ways. In other words, he showed him the why behind the what. 
It was a deeper relationship. And this is what God wants to have with all of us. He doesn't want you just to go, well, God does this. I know God does this. I know God does this. But because you've been in his word, you understand him. You understand his, his character. You understand why he does what he does. Um, and you're able to connect with him on that level because you've been deep in the word yourself. It's a, the scriptures are a buried treasure. I want to read Proverbs 2, verse 1. It says, my son, if you receive my words, everybody say my words. He says, and treasure my commands within you so that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. Yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her as hidden treasure, then you shall understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. There's something about the, the, the pursuit of the knowledge of God. It has to be pursued like a buried treasure. Like it's this, it's a, uh, it's, a, it's like silver. I mean, what would you do if somebody told you there is a buried treasure out behind IHOP? You wouldn't be sitting here. You'd find a shovel real quick. You know what I'm saying? Like for real, like you're set for life. And that's the way the Bible actually says that we're to be that way with the scriptures. Like there should be a ravenous kind of issue, actually even more so than money or, or, or possessions. But there's something about the knowledge of God that's more valuable than silver, more valuable than all money. And, we, and, and, and it has to be sought that way. But here's the thing about, you know, uh, looking for treasure. Like if it's a massive field, you know, there's a moment when you haven't found it in a while that it's probably some boring moments. I mean, how many of you guys ever dug? Like all four of you. Okay. Like digging is like, it sucks. It's like, it's hard. It's not, it's not always pleasant. It's not, you, you know, it's just like, oh, more dirt. Yay. You know what I mean? Just more dirt. Oh, there's a worm, you know, and, and it doesn't have much. But I tell you, when all of a sudden you hear, kunk, 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 and then you go to reach down and you got the money box, you, you will have a completely different uh, a value for seeking treasure. Does that make sense? When you see it, it begins, the reward begins to hit you. It's the same way with scriptures. There are days where it's like reading the Bible, it's like digging for oil. You're just like, you know, you got the little jackhammer, you're like, next day you come in, next a week goes by, and all of a sudden you hit you hit that vein, and it just the oil starts coming out everywhere, and all of a sudden the word of God becomes alive in a way that you you're like you start reading verses and you start putting stuff starts hitting you. Have you ever been reading the Bible and you read a verse you've read a hundred times, but all of a sudden it's like how'd that get in there? For God so loved the world, who put that in there? You know, you start connecting verses, you're like. Methuselah begot Shacharam, and Shacharam begot, you know, you start, you're starting to hear like, Jesus wept, and that connects to Chronicles, <laughs> chapter three, where God begins to illuminate the heart with the word of God, it becomes, and it begins, your heart begins to actually feel joy because you're connecting with the word. It's like hitting the oil, man, and it makes it totally worth it, but you have to seek it like a hidden treasure. Let me say this, you know, the Bible says, <coughs> In John 1, that Jesus is the Word. You guys have read that verse? John 1, 1? It says, in the beginning, the Word, uh, the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God. And it says, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And he's talking about Jesus. He is the embodiment of the Word of God. Let me just say this real clear, clearly. You cannot say you, lo you love Jesus, but you don't love His Word. If you, don't, if you don't love the Word of God, it, it's a testimony of where the reality is between you and your love with Jesus. I love Jesus, I just can't get into his word. Well, you're, you're a super candidate for deception then. The Bible, man, is fascinating. It really is fascinating. Guys, we're going to be reading the Bible forever. I'm talking about a billion years from now, we're going to be sitting on the sea of glass going, that's going to be amazing. We're going to be reading Ezekiel. And we're like, I wonder what he meant by that. Hey, Ezekiel, come here. What do you mean? I mean there's, it, the Bible actually says that the word of God endures forever. It actually says in Peter that, it's, uh, that, it, that it, it, it has been established forever. In other words, we're going to be understanding who God is, even from the word, in a, million, a billion years from now, standing on the sea of glass. <laughs> Why else do we want to read the word? Well, I'll say this. Um, I want to look at this verse, 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 9. It says, the coming of the lawless ones, talking about the Antichrist, the end of the age, is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish. Why? 
because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. There's an interesting thing about the end of the age. The Bible says that, that people are going to fall away from the faith. And that's actually in the context where he's talking about Second Thessalonians. He's talking about the great falling away. And he says they're going to fall away. At the end of the day, why? He says because they would not receive the love of the truth. They did not love truth. And the scriptures are full of the truth of who God is. And most, of, most people I know, they don't love truth. And what I, I find in our, in, I say my generation, y'all generation are in, in my generation, there is a love in churches for worship. There's a love in churches for meetings, even certain preachers. There's something about, man, we'll go to a meeting and we're like, man, did you hear this band's playing or this you know, artist or whoever? And we want to get in that environment. We want to worship. We want to just connect with God. And it's genuine. It's not, I'm not putting that down. It's really awesome. And God loves that. But when we don't also have a, a same value for the word of God, we are candidates for deception. All it takes is for that worship leader to get off and, and a little kooky in their, in their uh, theology. And all of a sudden we're like sheep led to the slaughter. And I'm seeing, I'm seeing it right now. I'm not going to say names. I'm watching worship leaders. I talk about ones that if I said their names, you would go, no, that love Jesus, that it wouldn't, I mean, they were going for God and are getting off into some really bad, I'm talking about like take you out of the kingdom type doctrines. And I'm watching believers just go right off, right off that cliff with them. Some of them don't even know that's what they're, they're even teaching about right now, what they're actually believing. And it's happening, but it's because they can't tell the difference because they haven't been in the word themselves. We've got to love truth so when the deception shows up, we're like, we're like, mm, mm, something don't seem right. Something don't seem right. You know, the guys up there are like, he's like, let's worship Satan. You're like, mm, mm, not feeling the spidey senses on that one. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's more, it's, it's usually much more subtle than that. It's, you know, these issues of universalism and, and, and sinful lifestyles that are being now promoted as okay in the kingdom that are literally just taking people out of the kingdom. <sighs> How do we overcome sin? Look at this. Psalms 119 verse 9 says, how, some, one, wait, 119, 103, wait, yeah, you're right, you're right, I'm, wait, what verse am I on? So let's do 10, can we do 119.9, do I have that other? Go to the next one, 119.9. Yeah, there we go, all right. He says, how can a young man cleanse his way? Look at this, by taking heed to your word. He says, with my whole heart I have sought you, Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. One of the key ways, man, that, to get free from sins, if you guys are struggling with, uh, with sexual morality, with, uh, with you know, pornography or different things like that, I mean, getting the word inside of you. You know, it's interesting. Jesus, when he was tempted, what did he do? He wasn't just like, nope, not going to do it. Nope, 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 nope. No. When he looked at the enemy, what did he say? It is written. It is written. It is written. And it's, listen, it's, it's more than just being having scripture memorizations. Like, it's not just like, let's get our five verses, we're going to memorize them real quick, so when the enemy comes around, we're going to like, boom. You know, it's actually having a lifestyle in the Word so that you actually are like a trained soldier that can fight the enemy with the temptation that's coming. In other words, you're able to move quick on your feet. You don't just have like your five verses and the enemy hits you with something different, you're like stuck. You're like, uh, I didn't have a verse for that one. Because it's about being immersed in the Word of God, being, having a, a, a consistent life in the Word that gives you the, uh, the, the, the fortitude to be able to fight when the enemy actually comes. You know, Jesus said this, that man shall not live by bread alone, right? But by what? Every word which comes from the mouth of God. Let me just throw this out to you. How, how, let me ask, how would you look in this, i say this way. In the natural, how would you look if you only ate as often as you read your Bible. Some of y'all like turn sideways and disappear. But that's what your spirit man's like. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word which comes from the mouth of God. Your spirit man is like, turn, he disappears when he turns sideways. You know what I'm saying? Like he's, he's atrophying. And then you wonder why every single time you get in the ring with the, with the, the devil, you, know, you get beat up. Because he's showing up. He's like a big old sumo. He's like, just jiggling the whole time. Just you know, 800 pound sumo. And you're like, you know, a toothpick in the spirit. And every time y'all fight, he's just like, boom, boom boom, pins you every single time. And you're like, I can't get free. I don't know what's going on. What we got to start doing is we got to start starving the sumo, stop feeding the guy, right? And then we got to start eating ourselves. 
start, you know, pumping some iron in the spirit. You start, start eating the word of God, man. If, you, if we get consistent in the word of God, give it, give it a year. I mean, seriously, like consistently in the year, you will find your own, your inner man will start to get strength. When the enemy comes against you and you've got temptation looking at you in the eyes to cut yourself or whatever it is, you'll find fortitude that you didn't have a year ago. You'll be starting to get like, you know, jacked in the spirit. You know what I'm saying? You'll be like one of those like Norwegian like bodybuilders that has no vowels in their names, like Kinnikus Lagerslugen. And he's like, that's who you're going to be, the spirit. You'll have, you'll have fortitude to fight because you've been in the word. You've gotten, you've gotten deep in the word of God. Why do most people not read the Bible? I'll tell you one, probably the, one of the most po- common reasons is they just don't have a plan. They just never put a plan together to do it. I, most people say, I say, I say hey, uh, so what's your plan to read the Bible? Genesis 1 through Revelation 22. I'm like, it's probably not going to go over very well. You haven't even thought this through, have you? Most, I, I, just get a plan together. It could be any plan. There's lots of good plans out there. But just having a plan... What I tell people to do is this, easy. Look at, go to the, your, you know, the, um, what's the uh, little table of contents page? And just start reading them. Maybe write down a little pen next to it. And just anyone that sounds juicy, you know, just kind of pops off the page to you. You're like, Ezekiel. Ooh, Daniel. And just get your top 10 that you're going to go through and stick with it. I'm going to read Daniel. And here's the thing. You're going to pick a book and you're going to stay with that book until you finish that book. So now, Some of you guys are like, no, I'm too spiritual for that. I'd like to be led by the Spirit. Being led by the Spirit doesn't mean you don't have a plan. You can be led by the Spirit and have a plan. And here's here's what's so great, because especially in our environment, what you'll do is you'll come come here, and then I'll be talking about whatever, I mean, um, Book of Revelation or whatever, and you're like, yeah, Revelation, I'm doing it. Revelation 1, the revelation of Jesus Christ. John, you start reading, you're good. So you get to chapter 2, chapter 3, and then you come to a class here, and somebody's like, the Song of Solomon. You're like, the Song of Solomon. Yeah. And then you get about three chapters into that, and somebody's like, Isaiah. You're like, Isaiah. Yeah. And what's happened is you've gone about this deep in every book of the Bible. You have no idea what it's talking about. You have zero context for it all. You've just got about a chapter or each one. So here's the thing. If the Spirit moves and an angel comes down and tells you to read Song of Solomon, then do it. But other than that, just stay with Daniel until you finish it. Or stay with whatever book. And read through those books. You will find that you'll stay consistent just having a plan of where I'm going to go. And, you know, if the Spirit moves one day and you get caught off into another, you know, Zechariah land kind of day, you know where you can come back to because you've got a plan. Just It's as simple as that. Just get a plan. How, this is what, how I'm going to attack the Bible. I would say go slow. Your goal is not to just get through 10 chapters. I know some people are like, I got to read 10 chapters a night. What happens is they're like, they're like, they're like, me and destroyed my vineyard and they trotted down to my portion underfoot and they have made my pleasant portion a desolate wilderness and they wouldn't they make it desolate, desolate, I have no idea what I'm reading. So, 10 chapters. And they get back and they're like, no reading comment. You ever done that? You ever, you ever read the Bible and you read like three pages and you're like, I have no idea what I just read. I seriously have no idea. Did I just read anything? I just seriously, I just, I spent an hour skimming. Go slow. If you only get done a chapter, you only get done two chapters, I would do it more by time. Say, I'm going to read for 15, 20 minutes or 30 minutes. And I'm, but my, my goal is to understand what I'm getting so it actually benefits my spirit. It's deep in the word. I can't say it enough, guys. I want us to be a people, and I know that God does. He wants us to actually have a root system in the word of God so that when people look, when, people, when deception's coming, you can actually know what the difference is because you've actually connected with them. And the second point is this, that I want to go over is deep in prayer. So it's, I'll say this. It's not enough just to read our Bible. It's really not. I'm going to read this verse, John 5, and verse 39. John 5, 39. Jesus said, he says, you search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life. And these are they which testify of me. He goes, but you are not willing to come to me that you, have, that you may have life. Now, in the context, he's talking to the Pharisees who are diligent to read the Bible. He goes, but they couldn't see the Messiah when he's standing right in front of them. They didn't have a heart that was actually humble enough to be able to receive him. So the point isn't only just reading the Bible. There's, there's a, there's a, there's, it is reading the Bible, but it's also about coming to Jesus. And uh, I would say, so I take it to our, our, our perspective, is we want to be a people that read this Word of God consistently, but then we take the Word of God and we actually talk to Him about it. We actually go and sit at His feet. We actually sit before Him. Because if all you do is read the Bible, but you don't give yourself to the place of prayer, real prayer, you will get haughty quick. 
you will get puffed up and you'll be like the Mr. Brain, you know, Bible, Bible man, you know what I mean? If somebody says anything, you're like, that's wrong, heretic. <laughs> and you'll be like, all those heresy, heresy hunters on, on, online, all their Bible stuff's all nice and pretty, but there's a wrong spirit about it. You ever seen, you ever been around that? So there's something about the place of connecting with God. I, I love it. It says in uh, Matthew 22, verse 29, Matthew 22, verse 29, Jesus said, answered and said to them, he says, you are mistaken, not knowing the scriptures, nor the power of God. There's two realities. I, what I found, and this is growing up in the church a little after I got saved, is I found that most churches, they have, they do one of the two well. <laughs> they're either really all about the scriptures and being deep in the word, or they're really all about the power of God, and they're usually not very good at either one of them, at both of them. You guys are, you know what I'm talking about? It's like we're all about like casting devils out of people and shouting and praying in tongues and, you know, and, and, and all this stuff and hanging from chandeliers and manifestations and all that kind of stuff, you know, and it's powerful, but then it's like nobody's read a Bible in years. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like they couldn't hold a theological conversation they wanted to. And, and we look goofy. I mean, honestly. And then you got other groups that are like completely anti-spirit, anti-power of God. I mean, whatever. But man, they've got their, they, they understand, you know, the, the soul of scripture. You know what I'm saying? They got, like, they got all the points down on theology. And we're missing something. But there's something about knowing the scriptures and the power of God. It's the people that, that are deep in the word and have real hunger to actually have the presence of God in their life. Jeremiah 9, verse 23. Jeremiah says, thus saith the Lord, he says, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom and let not the mighty man glory in his might, nor let the rich man glory in his riches. So he says, basically saying, he goes, don't get you know, puffed up about how smart you are, how strong you are, or how rich you are. He goes, but let him who glories glory in this, that he, know, that he understands and knows me. I could, you could just pause on that one for like a year. That's, he, goes, he goes, if you want to boast about something, you want to be happy about something, you want to have some pride in something, he goes, do it. No, he can do it in this way. He goes, that you understand me, that you know me. He goes, I'm the Lord exercising loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth, for in these I delight. Man, there's something about the heart of God. Like he doesn't, he's not impressed with how smart we are, how much Bible we know, how good of a debater we are. He said, he goes, he goes, I'm impressed with those who actually have taken the time to understand and know me. And I, I don't know of any other way to do that other than going deep in the word and then actually sitting at his feet and talking to him about it. There's sometimes like, and I'm not saying I'm great at it, there's sometimes where I'm like, I'm reading the word, I'm going like, I don't understand that. And I, I'll just stop. And I'm like, I'm like, Lord, talk to me about it. And sometimes, man, he gives me stuff that I wouldn't have ever thought of. You ever had that happen to you where all of a sudden it's like out of nowhere, you're like, I know now. It's just like the spirit just drops things on you. And that happens in the place of prayer. He begins to give you revelation in a way that you couldn't get if you didn't sit at his feet. Sometimes he does. Sometimes he just lets you kind of like agonize under it for a little while. And then he gives it to you later on. But look at this, Luke 10, 38. It says, now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who, was sat, who who's also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. Everybody say, heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. Now, we all kind of know where this is all going, but uh, you know, honestly, man, Martha was doing a good thing. Like, when was the last time Jesus told us not to serve? Like all the time, he tells us, no, we, we got to serve. I guess it's, it's, you know, he goes, he goes, I came as the master and I served. He goes, you'll do likewise. Serving is right. The, the issue here is Martha is serving Jesus cookies that he didn't order. There's a moment, there's a time for service and there's a t moment time to do things for God, but he was, she was missing a very practical moment. And he says to her, he says, Martha, Martha, you're worried and troubled about many things. He goes, but one thing is needed. In other words, this moment, one thing is needed and, and Mary has chosen the good part, which will not be taken from her. What does she do? She just said, I'm going to sit at his feet. I'm going to get in the place of intimacy. It's the one thing that's needed, and it's the good part, Jesus said. There's, all, there's, there's going to be plenty of opportunities to serve, but there's, there's something about making a priority for us to go and sit at his feet, to talk to him, to linger in his presence. And then, you know, I, I think about you know, over the years, like, this is just something I've, I've had to just go do sometimes. And sometimes, when you, you know, you'll go and you'll pray, and it's nothing. It's dry as can be. And there's other times, man, God encounters you, and it makes it wholly worth it. The Lord, if you pray, the Bible says he will reward you for praying. How many of you guys like rewards? 
Look at this, Matthew 6, verse 5. He says, and when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites. All right, don't do that. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners, they may be seen by men. Surely I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you, when you pray, now notice he didn't say, you know, if you pray. He says, when you pray. In other words, the, the expectation, you will pray. He says, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. Everybody says, secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Man, that's, that is a, man, that is just a key point. If you believe that, if you actually believe that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him, if you actually believe that, you'll probably find yourself praying more. There's something about all of us, man, we're, we're wired to want rewards. How do I know that? Does anybody like working for free? You like just going to go to a job, and, you know, doing construction and get paid nothing at the end of it? I'll have a bunch of nothing now. Thank you. Thanks for letting me work here. No, everybody wants a reward. You, want, you do it because you look at the reward. And God created us that way. And he goes, he goes, he goes, he goes I've created you for intimacy. And if you do it, I give you a reward. Like that's the d- double whammy right there. That's like, he's just try, he's like giving you every incentive. And he says, if you'll seek me, where? In the secret place. And that doesn't necessarily mean you have to do it all the time, you know, in your closet. You can pray amongst people. But the point is, even when you're amongst people, it's, it's actually still just, you have to, in your heart, it has to become the secret place. Does that make sense? It has to be as though you shut the door and no one's around. You're not doing it for men. You're doing it for God. And if you'll seek the Lord, the Bible says he is the God who sees in secret. I'm telling you guys, when you go home tonight, seriously, like tonight, like think about this. Every night you've just been going to bed. Now you can go into your, your room, shut your door, and you can just look to heaven and God is watching you. As soon as you start communicating with him in secret, there's, there's, he, in other words, he is storing up reward for you right now. <laughs> I'm going to tell you guys if you for me I'm the most happy in Christianity when I start hearing God's voice if you want to be happy in God get your prayers answered yeah. you, all of a sudden you're like this is amazing like you start seeing God do God stuff in your life you're like I'm a Christian I'm in <laughs> I'm totally in now I mean I was in before but I'm totally in again I got resaved. It is, there's something about the, you know, John said, he goes, my joy is made full by hearing the bridegroom's voice. And, and uh, I remember one time I was, I was, I, was I, I think it's John chapter three, and I was sitting right here, and, uh, and I'm sitting there, and, I, I'm, and it was during the prayer room, and, I'm, and I go, I go, God, I just, I just want to hear your voice. I go, Lord, my, it would make me so joyful if I could just hear your voice, just hear your voice. And I go, there's a Bible verse somewhere about that in there. And I was like, I start looking about it, and I find John 3. He says, it says, my joy is made full. He goes, at the, at the sound of the bridegroom's voice. And as soon as I read it, from the stage, they start singing, the bridegroom, he goes, he said, your joy has been made full at the bridegroom's voice. Your joy is made full. At the, they start singing it. I'm like, no! I mean, I was like, you know, you're, you're, you know, it's just hot, hot, hot. Um, and, and I went, man, this is true. This is how it is, that God, he knows how we're wired. When you start hearing God speak, because you've been spending time with them, all of a sudden Christianity starts make, be, becoming a lot of fun. Start seeing your prayers answered. Look at this verse right here. It's Isaiah 30, verse 18. Isaiah says this. He says, therefore, the Lord will wait. Everybody say wait. How many of you guys love it when God waits? He's just going to be patient. Why? What's he waiting on? That he might be gracious to you. Huh. I like that. But he's waiting? What are we waiting on? He goes, therefore... He goes, and therefore, he will be exalted, and he will have mercy on you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are those who who wait for him. For the people shall dwell in Zion and in Jerusalem, and you shall weep no more. And he will be, look at this, he will be very gracious to you at the sound of your cry. When he hears it, he will answer you. So the Lord's waiting to be gracious to you. But he, what is he waiting on? He's waiting on the sound of your cry. And when you cry out, then he will answer you. It's, so the point is, guess what happens if you don't cry out? You're just going to get a lot of waiting. I don't know about you guys. I want God to answer my prayers. I want to see God move in my life. And he goes, he goes, he goes, all right. He goes, he goes, I do too. I'm just waiting. They're like, what are you waiting on? He's like, he's like, the sound of your cry. 
I mean, you know, what do you do? Like, you just, he's talking about having a place of, when you, when you, he's wait, God, there's certain things that God, God can do everything, but there's certain things God won't do without your partnership. He can do everything, but he won't do it unless you partner with him. And the partnership is the sound of your cry. When you start to cry out, God has said, he goes, I've been waiting on that. And now that you're actually partnering with me in intercession, he goes, I'll move. So how do we get a, how do we get a prayer life? I just want to give some practical things. We see this over and over again through the, uh, the Gospels. It says that Jesus, and it kept saying like after he ministered, it says in that evening he went up on the mountain and prayed. And he says it like several times. And he went on the mountain and prayed. And he went to the mountain and prayed. And he went up to the mountain and he prayed all night, right? Right before he anointed all the disciples as disciples. He said he went all night and prayed on the mountain. One thing I noticed about that, it just seems like Jesus had, if Jesus is our great example, he had a set aside place of prayer. And for him, it was up on the mountain. Probably because most people were, I mean, that's kind of a, it's, think about this for a second. Like, some are like, well, prayer's a little convenient. Dude, he went up on the mountain every time to pray. You imagine every time you wanted to pray, you actually climbed a mount? I mean, that's, okay, listen, most of her like, used a stone mountain, y'all take the sky lift. But I'm talking about, like, a mountain, like, that's a, that's a beast mode, you know what I mean? Just to pray. You're sweating like a pig. You're, I mean, it's hot. You're like, I mean, like in Israel, you know what I mean? You're like, uh, you know, you haven't had a bath in a couple of days. Your stuff's sticking to you, you know? You're getting on the mountain just to go up there and pray. And so he actually went through all the inconvenience to get along with God, but he had a special place that was just between him and his father, and that's where he prayed. And I want to say this. If you're going to be a person of prayer, or we're going to be people of prayer, we've got to have a set-aside place to pray. Like, don't imagine you're just going to be like, just, well, I, you know, I just pray all day. I just pray all day. Uh, Nah. If we actually took our, we don't really. Most, most of us aren't centered just like an intercession all day, just, you know, answer the question in math class. You don't, you don't like that, okay? But if you, I'll find, you'll find that if you actually have a place you pray, a place you go that's yours, and a time that you, that you hold as, a, as like a part of your schedule, you'll find they'll actually pray far more. When I was in college, um, we, uh, we had a little, uh, there was a church across the street from our college, a Baptist church. And uh, it was like my junior year. And one day I was, I was, I don't know, I don't know why, but I was walking around the building and I, I opened, there was a side door and I turned it and the door was open. And I walked in there and it was a prayer room, small little prayer room. And I don't know if anybody had been there years. Like there was cobwebs everywhere. The Bible was like, you know, you know, it's just like, I mean, and I walked in there and I was like, oh my gosh, it had that musty smell in there. But I realized, I was like, man, this may be a place for me. And I, and what I'd started doing for about, about six or seven months, every night, or just about every single night, around 10 p.m., I would just go to this little, um, this little chapel, and uh, and I would just sit there and I would just talk to God and I'd cry out to the Lord. Okay, half the time I was asking God for a girlfriend, but uh, but the other half I was actually talking to the Lord about other stuff in my life. And what happened was just doing that consistently, God began to meet me because I had a place to go pray. It wasn't just like, and, and because I had a place to do it, you ever been like, I mean, how many of you guys ever tried to work out for? All right, in the gym. Now, have you ever tried to work out like at home, like with the videotape? You know what I'm talking about? Like P90X or something like that? Like there's very few individuals that can do that very successfully. Like there's something about when you're sitting there and there's a bag of chips over there and your bed's right there, you know what I'm saying? And you're like trying to like kill yourself doing cr- you know, crunches and pull-ups. You're like, I'm going to do this tomorrow. <laughs> but there, it's different when you actually go to the gym, right? If you actually made the trip, you got out, you got your clothes, you've gotten, you know, changed and all this, you're sitting in the gym. It's kind of like, well, didn't get dressed up for nothing, you know? And you wind up actually pushing yourself and actually working out probably at much, much better than you would have. Now, granted, some of y'all probably just walk in there, you're like, you know, you do like one dumbbell and you leave. But, but, but. For most part, you will actually do far more having a place to go work out versus trying to just do it, you know, trying to like, you know, like you're not just going to be like walking down the road, all of a sudden jump up and like do a couple pull-ups on, on some tree limbs, you know, get your workout all throughout the day. But having a, a place and a time to work out, you'll actually wind up working out. If you have a place and a time to pray, you'll actually wind up praying in a way that uh, you may not. In, in Jesus' example, he had times and places where he went and he prayed. Good. Amen. So deep in the word, deep in prayer, these are, these are values that we have, that we have obviously at the House of Prayer um, and here at Forerunner Church, that we would be a people that are deep in, in the scriptures and deep in our intercession. And I, I'm saying all this like, 
I, I don't have this all down either. I, I want to grow far more in this in my life as well. So, good. Amen? All right. Let's just stand for a second. I'm just going to pray and we're going to dismiss. Father, I, I, just, I just ask for it. Let's just say this. If you, if you were to say here and you're like, hey, I, Lord, I want to go deeper in, uh, in my word life and in my prayer life in a way that I've not touched, you know, in any season of my life. If you would say, man, I've been kind of just honestly just kind of lethargic related to the Bible and getting in the word of God, having a value for it, and in my prayer life as well has just been spotty at best. And I want, I want the Lord to, to awaken a desire for the Word of God, even if it means drilling for oil and when I'm not finding anything for a season, but just being faithful, being steady. Let me just say that real quick, guys. Being on fire for God is not about being the loudest. It's not about being the most, you know, passionate in your personality. It's mostly about being faithful and steady. I've seen a lot of people that were fiery in their 20s that are completely dead in God by their 30s. And I've seen other people that are just, you know, maybe their personality wasn't that, but they just stayed steady and faithful, little by little, precept by precept. They just stayed with it, and they, and, and they stay the course, and they, stay, they grow in God all the days of their life. I want to be the latter. Not that I, 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 honestly, I want us to be fiery and passionate and all that too. I mean, add that, but I'm saying... It's mostly about, it's mostly about just being, being consistent. So if you would say, man, I've, I've just not, I've not been just passionate in the word of God, but I want God to awaken that in me, fresh and anew. I want to have this value in my life. Or you would also say, my prayer life has just been spotty. I don't have a place where I really connect with God consistently. I've kind of just been shooting in the dark, just here and there. But I want, I want to find a place and a time for connection with God that's consistent. And I'm willing to move things out of my schedule to make that work. If that's you, you would say, that's, that's where, I just want you to put your hands up for the Lord right now. We're just going to, I just want to pray over us. So we dismiss. Father, I ask right now, God, for all those that have their hands raised, they're saying, God, I, I, I've, not, I've not been where I need to be in the word of God, and I, I want to grow further in that. And you would also saying, Lord, that their, their prayer life has been spotty. And Lord, they want to grow in their prayer life. I ask, God, that you would hear that cry. And Lord, I pray, God, you would give fresh vision for the place of intimacy. Give a fresh vision for the word of God. Lord, that they would, they would love the word, for you are the word. And God, we thank you for that. Lord, I pray, God, that they would find time in their schedule Lord, even daily, or Lord, you know, weekly, Lord, where they're maybe coming here to the prayer room, God, and, and spending a time between classes or wherever, Lord, just connecting with you, or back in their woods or wherever they go, Lord, I ask God that you would just Lord, highlight a spot and a place and give them vision, Lord, a plan to read the word of God and connect with you in the scriptures. And Lord, we love you and we thank you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said amen. 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 All right.